Okay, welcome back to another episode of In the Works by Career Services at the University of Calgary. My name is Lawrence, and with me today is my usual co-host, David Catterford. That doesn't sound too good. I'm not a usual co-host. I'm the greatest co-host ever. Don't you think, Lawrence? I think you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'll uh, introduce you a little bit better uh, for our next month's show. I'll uh, do a little bit of like a, a boxing announcer and uh, give you a grand intro. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Let's, let's build it up. Uh, and what are you weighing in as? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so again, we are in September, so we're still uh, fairly early into the school semester. And uh, yeah, I want, just want to spend a little bit of time talking about the events that we have coming up that Career Services is hosting. And so two of the biggest things we are going to be hosting is our industry career fair, which happens basically tomorrow, September 21st. And then a few weeks later, we have our graduate school fair, uh, which happens on October 14th. So the industry career fair more so features uh, opportunities that, you know, such as internships, uh, practicums. You know, there are some maybe part-time or uh, maybe even summer opportunities kind of sprinkled in there, but mostly it is uh, kind of more so for internship and co-ops and things like that. And then the grad school fair is, as it's kind of implied in the name there, a fair where you can explore different graduate options, right? So if you're an undergrad student or maybe even a, a, just a graduate student looking to maybe complete another uh, graduate degree, um, that fair is going to invite a lot of different schools and programs from you know, locally, across the country, or maybe even internationally, where you can explore to see what types of uh, further education you might want to pursue. So both these fairs are going to happen online. And, uh, you know, of course, last year, it was our, our first time hosting them online. So it was still a bit of a change. Um, yeah, but I mean, let's talk a little bit about kind of the differences. Like, David, do you remember when we had those in-person fairs? Absolutely. My life has been, I've been growing up through career fairs. Yes, <laughs> I, nothing beats the in-person career fair. I mean, they're, they're, they're crazy. They're chaotic. They're yeah. full of companies and students. And yeah. Yeah, the day would just go by in a blink of an eye just because, Absolutely. you know, I mean, we, we would, even though we don't, you know, plan or, or necessarily uh, run the fair we we chip in you know both david and i you know we we go around we help employers set up and and then at the end of the day help them take down and then kind of mingle in between and all of that so yeah. uh, we do our fair share of work uh but yeah i i mean comparing to the online fair i think it was um i think the online fair was decent i would say like i think it actually no it was better than decent um it was different though, for sure. Hey. Oh yeah, but you're you're you're. They were good though. I mean, our virtual career fairs were awesome, and and I, I think these upcoming career fairs will be good because I I support anything that connects students to employers, whether that be in person or virtually. I I think it's it's doesn't matter. It's the connection, right. Yeah. And I mean, in person and online, of course, those connections would be made differently. And so I, I think it kind of just really depends on the person. Like, you know, I guess the biggest difference is like, I remember, again, those in-person career fairs, there'd be 
lots and lots of students kind of filling the aisles, you know, whereas the in-person career fair, you're likely just, you know, sitting at home or maybe sitting uh, at a study space, just chatting with employers. So it's kind of like really just you alone in a sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, it really kind of depends on the comfort level then. But uh, I think, you know, again, still knowing the right questions to ask, being prepared and uh, coming up with some good questions, right? Doing your previous research on employers, that's really the, the way to go for career fairs. And then, and then making sure that you follow up and follow through. So if you are able to make a connection with an employer, then make sure that you follow up with them by connecting with them on, on LinkedIn or asking them, hey, how can I follow up with you? And, and I think it's very important, whether that be in person or virtual, but to make a connection and then follow up. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, we do have a, a couple of different resources online for like how to prepare for career fair and whatnot, right? So yeah, if you're interested, go to our website, ucalgary.ca slash careers, and you can check those out. For now, let's go right into our Real People, Real Career segment and talk to an industry professional. Today, we are interviewing Linda Chan, who is the Director of Community and Collaboration at Benevity. Her role involves planning conferences, managing partnerships, and overseeing social media. For Linda, she knew early on that she wanted to pursue marketing as a career option. Through her education experiences and help from others, she's built a strong career in marketing and event planning. So let's learn a little more about her journey and any word of advice that she has. Interviewing her today is myself and my student co-host, Shuhan. Okay, so what, what are some areas that like, are challenging about your, your current role? Um, okay, so I think, you know, when you get into, when you get into events and media, oftentimes... Um, you're required to adapt in a way that cannot be planned for. And it's funny because in event planning, all you do is plan for an event. And then the very first thing you do at that event is adapt. An example is we were at our big conference and everyone was out networking break. And then they before the crowd was heading back into the main room, all of the screens turned off. And so at that moment in time, you have to think on your feet and you have to adapt. Just like how in media, when something happens in the news and it comes into your business and it's reputational, has reputational risk, you got to think on your feet and you got to adapt. And oftentimes you have to do all of that in very, very short timelines. So you're in marketing and you're an extrovert. I mean, you have so much power in your voice itself. So what do you think, uh, apart from all these characteristics of or your strengths, that, what's the unique that you bring to your job? You know, what I love doing is um, before we approach any projects, I just love bringing all the stakeholders together and dream. Let's just that, let's just get together. Let's just sit down and let's just dream about what is this project we want to work on. Take it really high and think about all the possibilities without even thinking about how do we get it done. Let's just dream and make it good. And then think about how, what do we want other people to remember it by? Um, what is it that we're truly trying to achieve? That experience we're trying to get out of it, that feeling. And then I like taking that dream 
and then breaking it into very small bite-sized projects. And once when I have these projects that seem more within reach, I then look at these projects from the eyes of the person we're building it for. And then I ask the questions, do, would they care? Why would it matter? So what? And then when you kind of look at it from all those different angles and those different approaches, you're able to produce something that's pretty extraordinary. Awesome. I admire your passion. So what was your first sort of real job after university and college where you kind of knew that, hey, I'm in the right place? Yeah, you know, it, that that career story is, um, is interesting because I started working when I was 14 um, and it was always in customer service. And then I started um, picking up a gig at TELUS and it was just part-time telemarketing. So when I graduated with a marketing degree and every single marketing job that I um, applied for, I was always second, but then they always gave me a sales job because of my background, because of my experience. And I was so sad at that time because I was like, no. And at that time, my mom had said to me, Linda, you chose marketing, which is one of the hardest industries to get into. Why don't you just go be an accountant? I was like, no, no way. Because um, there is a lot of folks that are in marketing. I'm going to be one of them. And I was determined. So I then went to back to TELUS where I was working at that time. And I, I contacted the events director at that time. Her name was Donna. And I asked, I said, hey, Donna, can you please look at my resume? Look at um, my, my schooling and let me know, like, what would it take for you to hire me on your team? Because I know you hire people. What would it take? And Donna said to me, she said, you know what, Linda, um, to be honest with you in Calgary's job market for events and for marketing, the teams, the budgets are so small, the teams are so lean, folks are not gonna hire a student right out of college without experience. You have a lot of sales experience, but you don't have enough um, events or marketing experience. And she was very honest with me. And, I, and I, when I was in university, I also took the internship program. So I said to her, okay, Donna, what do I need to do to then get onto your team? And she said, well, what, this is what you should do. So she told me, first, um, your marketing experience, great. You got, good, you got a good degree, you know the concepts. Now you're missing events. So go to college, take in the events background. This time, try to see if you can work for an event agency to get that experience while you're in school. And then, so I did exactly that. I started building my experience while I was in school. I had to quit my full-time job, went back for 10 months. And then after I applied for um, a marketing coordinator job at Intervac, that was my very first official job, I would say. Um, that was a combination of marketing and events and it was supporting the sales team. So it was actually really cool because then every single component of my universe came together. Yeah, so it seems that you have been networking right from from your undergrad started. Uh, so what what has networking me meant to you in the past, and how do you feel? I mean, what what's the secret sauce of your networking? <laughs> it's funny because from an event experience, I hate the word networking. Um, and when we planned conferences, I I always emphasize to writers. Can we please not use the word networking or find another way to say networking? Because 
networking, at least networking events to me is a very surface level um, way of just getting together, high level chit chat. You don't get a lot out of it. And it is actually really intimidating for anyone um, to go into a setting where you see, you know, hundreds of people and you're expected to make a connection at this event where you don't know anyone. And I was like, this is impossible, no matter if you're a student or if you're, you're, you're in your career. So I think what I prefer now is more meaningful conversation. And that's what I try to infuse in our events. And that's what I do personally when I need to have a conversation. So um, it's more for me, it's like, think about, think about it as one to one meaningful conversation. And how are you going to do that? So if there's an opportunity to go to a air quote, um, networking event, see if there's a way to research people in, in advance to see who's going to be there. Do some research on your, for yourself to find out what kind of questions do you have and are you trying to solve for? Try to pair and match yourself up with someone who can help, just like my conversation with Donna. I knew I wanted to get into events, so I found someone who was in a leadership role in events, and I was really authentic with her, very um, just vulnerable. And I showed her, basically, this is who I am. Tell me how to get better. And Donna had something to work with, and she gave me something very tangible that I can use. And I think in order for networking to work, you have to put that level of, um, of time and investment into it. Awesome. So yeah, the next part that we have for you is a bit tricky. Uh, so you'll have to fill in the blanks for our listeners. Uh, the first one is do, do not go into the marketing as a career path if you... Uh, do not go into this career path if you're a very structured person and um, likes things that are very predictable. Hmm. Okay, well, explain, like, I, 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 let's hear more about that. Like, um, so it, it seems that marketing fits with like your personality type and your skills. Have you ever worked with somebody that just kind of drove you crazy because they were too structured or like, how, how does that work? Don't get me wrong. Okay, so um, some of my best colleagues are the ones that are very analytical, very process driven and very um, structured. Um, but the way that they handle information that comes in is also really quick. And the level of adaptability is very high. So when I say, you know, um, if when I say you just, if you like things that are predictable um, and not ambiguous, it's tough because in marketing, there's so many external factors and macro things that happen in the world that would influence the project that you're working on. Sometimes it might even stop a project that you're working on and you would have to pivot. So if you're really, if you're, if you're really um, kind of holding on to specific ways of doing something um, and wanting to get it done, that it does become very frustrating when you need to adapt right away. Okay, so we, I mean, you seem passionate and excited about your, your career, which I think is awesome, which we all strive for. But like, what, what's a real bonus about working in marketing? Yeah, um, it's that uh, there's something very magical. It's like this magical feeling that you get when um, you step into a room and you work on this project and everything around you 
is just buzzing. And um, this is more from an events perspective. Um, but when you're able to take something that everyone has a standard that maybe is just a meeting, they're bringing people together for a meeting, but you can take that meeting and you can turn it into an experience. And then everyone feels like they walked into the set of Oprah when they were just expecting a boardroom table. You have the power to be able to like create magic. And that feeling, the ear-to-ear the -ear smile that everyone gets, that appreciation that they feel, this person really cares for me to go above and beyond is, is, is what makes the job super, super rewarding. But at the same time, um, yeah, no, so that's it. And then there's always good food too. <laughs> I think uh, that's a great tip for the future leaders uh, across the world. Um, so for, what advice do you have for the new grads out there? Because the job market is is has always been affected by these external factors. Right now it's COVID. It, it always something like this is going to be there. So what, what tips do you have for them? Yeah, you know, um, what I would say is to not get fixated on a certain career path. All our new graduates have studied something, a discipline, and they want to be something, right? Um, whatever they've studied for. In this environment, I would say don't get fixated on a certain career path or um, get caught up on what is the right path. Just start taking many steps. One step is gonna open the door to another step, to maybe a conversation to something else. And before you know it, you're gonna be building the foundation of a career path that is really authentically meant to be for you to go on because you're building this versus taking the time and just dwelling on, I don't even wanna start because I'm scared I'm going to take the wrong path. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like how you said dwelling, right? Because I mean, I, I, I'm a career specialist and, and I talk with students and it's, it's always like, and they're like, well, this is the job I want. And I, I sometimes say, forget about the job. Like, what, what do you want to do? What problems do you want to solve? What, what are you interested in? And then, yeah, I like what you said, small steps and Many times your career will find you like based on your interests and passions. Absolutely. I have, um, for example, I have um, a really good friend who was started university with me and we went through university together. We're still friends. He started his career in engineering. Just the other day, he's telling me he's getting into content planning. He's starting a blog and podcast. And now he's changing his career based on his interests and how he's evolved through the years into a content marketer, but he was in civil engineering. <laughs> like that's just an example of how your career will always change. So mm -hmm. don't just be fixated on needing to land that ideal career. Yeah, and, and I think uh, the right way, I mean, you quoted uh, in your one of the answers was dream before you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very important for all of us out there. I mean, I'm also a student right now. Uh, and I'm in most of these questions that you've answered are very, very relevant to me. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, um, I just want, there's just, I just want to share maybe one more thought, um, just based on what uh, Shuham had just shared is, 
you know, oftentimes I don't think we get an opportunity, we give ourselves the permission to dream enough. So I would encourage everyone to just dream, sit back and dream, think about the extraordinary. And then the difference, the only difference to get from your dream to your desired outcome is a very tangible action plan. So that's why you gotta dream and then break it into small little plans and then take one step, one step after that, check every box off. And when that box is done, evaluate it. And if you have to pivot, pivot, but every single step you take is gonna make you smarter, wiser, help you learn something more. And before you know it, you get your desired outcome. To listen to this interview again or other ones that we have aired previously, you can go to ucalgary.ca slash careers. Okay, and we are back on In The Works, airing on CJSW. So yeah, hearing just Linda's journey on kind of her own success in marketing and event planning kind of, kind of made me think a little bit more about broader marketing successes and failures that we've kind of seen over the years. And so I guess, yeah, maybe we can spend a little bit of time here exploring um, some things that have gone well and other some things that haven't gone so well for uh, companies out there. So I guess let's start with the bad. And David, do you remember, I think it was back maybe in like the early 2010-ish, uh, well, all of a sudden one day when you opened iTunes, U2, uh, so the band U2, one of their albums was there. And I think it was just kind of, you were forced to deal with it. Yeah, I remember when that happened. And I remember just going on my iTunes account and having a U2 album on there that was free. And it just kind of confused the daylights <laughs> out of me. Well, because you know me, Lawrence, I always have trouble with my iPhone and my music and, and, and I guess, yeah, a lot of people were upset that they had this free album taking up space on their phone automatically put on their phone and it upset a lot of people. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I was kind of obsessed cause it's like, I, you know, I didn't really, I'm sure they make good music, but I didn't want it. So. Oh yeah. Like with me, I love you two. They're one of my favorite groups, but don't force me to listen to music on my iPhone that the iPhone wants me to listen to. Yeah, so yeah. that kind of backfired a little bit, I think. Yeah, so that was, yeah, it wasn't a very good, I, I think, uh, kind of promotion there. Uh, on the flip side, though, I guess still Apple-related was their uh, PC versus Mac commercials that ran from, I think, 2006 to 2009, and I think a lot of people remember those. Yeah, I remember those, and, and they were very truthful in a very simple way because they had the two guys on the, the with the white background, and, and, and the Mac individual was more kind of hip and more... Hip and trendy, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, yeah, back then, you know, with kind of Apple, like, developing all their kind of new uh, technology and whatnot, yeah, I think that was a really good kind of stepping stone to kind of pushing in that direction and kind of in a way in there maybe not so indirectly i guess uh, saying you know kind of pc is for old timers and whatnot um so yes that was a success for them 
So let's go back to uh, kind of failures. And I mean, for this one here, I almost wasn't even aware of it. But do you remember uh, Gap, you know, the clothing brand changing their logo back in 2010? Yeah, I, 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 I do remember because Gap has got a really cool logo. And didn't they just change it right back? Yeah, after? I think so. Yeah. And because, you know, now that I kind of think about it, I vaguely remember there was like a slight like variation of, of the Gap logo. Like we're, we're all pretty familiar with the kind of the square and then the, you know, GAP and capitals there. But for like a short time there, their logo changed to, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. There were like other, squ like two squares involved and whatnot, but I think because of like the, the negative reaction that came up very like quickly, <laughs> then they had to uh, go back and, and really change their logo. So um, I think that might be a case of like really not consulting with their customers before such a drastic change. Yeah, and if I remember when when that happened, didn't I? I just think people in general were just upset by the logo change and and just kind of jamming it down people's throats. And people they changed it right back, yeah, because of the the backlash they yeah. got from people. Yeah, and I guess that's why, at least for me, I don't really remember it that much at all. Um, so I guess it's good on them for reacting quickly and and uh, fixing it. And then uh, another success would be, I, I think, the uh, Budweiser Red Lights, right? So are, are you familiar with those? Not really, no, because I'm not really a <laughs> Budweiser. Lance, not my beer of choice. <laughs> so tell me more about this red light thing. Yeah, so I, I remember these uh, very, very distinctly just because they were advertised, you know, during the commercials of hockey games. Right. And I guess that's what they were kind of going for there. I think they were kind of riding on the coattails of of of, uh, of hockey games. And so whenever uh, your team scored, you know, you you can have this by this red light, you know, which is AKA the goal light that would sync up uh, with it. And so whenever the team scored, you know, you would have this red light beside your TV that would also light up, right? So it would be very, uh, very fun, I guess. And, and you could celebrate along. And so, um, yeah, I would say that was probably a success because, you know, like, I think I tried buying one of those red lights and I don't think I could find those anywhere else except their website. So, um, yeah, they probably made a good amount of sales on those red lights. All right. <laughs> I, I, I guess I believe you. I don't know. It doesn't sound too thrilling for me to have a red light. Like, <laughs> did it actually work, though? Like, I think it worked. I, I mean, I'm... Depends on the Wi-Fi because, yeah, you have to sync your red light to the Wi-Fi. So there might be a couple seconds delay there compared to the TV. But still, well, nonetheless. Well, how could that be a success if, like, <laughs> the red light comes on five seconds before your team scores? I mean, I would be upset. <laughs> and uh, I guess maybe the last success that I just want to quickly want to touch on, I think, is the no-name brands. This one, I think was from kind of more so last year and then also bridging to this year as well. Um, again, if you're a big of a TV watcher like I am, um, you might have noticed those no-name brands where like everything is like in yellow and because no-name is just not really a brand per se, right? They literally just say, oh, this is bread 
or this is pasta sauce or peanut butter, right? So um, their commercial kind of had that dry humor, uh, like literalness to it. So and from the from the looks of it, from the YouTube comments that that I kind of scroll through, people tend to like those commercials. So I think uh, that's a, a success on their part. So yeah, hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit of insight there into some of the more recent marketing successes and failures. But yeah, that brings us then to the end of our show. And so thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. Uh, hopefully we'll catch you again on our next episode of In the Works. See you later.